memories from the past began to come back, but in a mass of fragments. Nothing linked them. They made no sense. So Zubeda began to use his diary to write down all the flashes of memory, to try and make sense of who he was. In the end, it would run to over a thousand pages, a vast collage of memories and feelings, moments of intense loneliness as a child, of watching Pluto meet an angel in a Disney cartoon, moments of fear and combat, of perfume, the anger he felt at friends, moments of sexual desire, and the sensation of autumn coming. Andrew, the weight of this falls much more heavily on women. Gamergate? Is that Gamergate? Is that because of Gamergate? It has something to do with Gamergate. I never really understood that discourse, and I find it tiresome. Same. But uh, I do think the one thing we should do on Twitch is a mukbang of us um, eating tuna milk. I just I just ate tuna. I was going to tell Did you. you just had tuna again? I had some beautiful tuna. I'm actually a little worried that Good I'm going to get murky. I'm going to get mercury poisoning because I've been hitting that tuna hard as of late. Uh, worth it. It's the, it was, it's the Whole Foods tuna, right? Oh, glass jar and from Spain only. Yes, baby. That's right. What's the brand? Let's get the brand name on the pod so we can do a little ad. Well, I've actually been, this is a new brand. I use the, the official best brand is Tonino. I think it's called Tonino. Tonino? Like tuna, Tonino. but like a little Italian tuna? Tonino. Yeah, this, this one was, this one was the, um, Ortiz though, Ortiz. Ortiz. I think the Tanina was slightly better, but this was, I mean, more than adequate. It was, you know, it comes huge, big, big hunks. I put it on some nice toast with balsamic lemon oh. and paprika. some Excuse Spanish me? paprika. With some paprika. Yeah, the paprika is beautiful. A little smoky, a little oh, sweet. Yes, a little smoky. I like tuna, you know, I can't eat tuna out of a can anymore. It's like cat food. But I don't know, in Norway, it's more about the, the the herring and the, I don't know. Yeah, the they're white not really tuna people up there. Tuna is kind of more, it's it's where, it's actually an example of Iberian excellence. It's an Iberian, yeah, I love the yeah. Iberian. It's where As we are, excel. And by that I was I, actually gifted, yeah. um, I was gifted two beautiful f- cans of French sardines with various spices and fragrances and stuff. By whom? A student. That's so nice. Did he know yeah, he that did. about your love of smoked fish from the pod? I don't know how he knew about it. I think I've expatiated on it, but he found me one day as I was walking around and he said, Mr. Oranger, I have uh-huh. something for you. And uh-huh. I stood there and he said, it's fish. <laughs> and he proceeded to um, produce from his backpack two cans of sardines. Packaged sardines. Yeah, but they were beautiful, like French. They were in a kind of rectangular can, and they had they had interesting designs on them. I actually still have the can. Don't, that was because I just haven't thrown it out yet. It's like stinking out my living room. But uh, yeah. in so far what, as I have, what did you eat them with? 
I did it really simple. Um, I just I had some leftover potatoes and I just put the sardines on the plate mm. with the potatoes and um, I think I put a little lemon. I just put lemon on them. They, that's, they a, came... that's a Portuguese meal if I ever heard of it. Oh one. my god. Yeah, I, that's something yeah, my ancestors I... would absolutely want. Yeah, during my, my sojourn in Portugal, a very happy one I might add, I, I ate many sardines and it was great. Yeah, I love Portugal. I'd like to go back there. Well, you know, maybe on tour. When we Do we have any listeners there? Do we have any listeners based? No, in- unfortunately not. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. We've gotten the latest updates. For the <laughs> international rankings are number one, the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Number two, Canada. Uh, number three is, um, uh, what is it called? The United Kingdom. Number four is Norway. Fuck yeah. I have like 30 downloads in Norway now. Um, I saw we had Saudi Arabia. One in Saudi Arabia. My boy. Yeah. Maybe it's my <laughs> I, I really hope it's MBH. MB, what's his name again? MBS himself who's listening to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Mohammed bin Salman, if you're listening, could you please just, we won't even need to make a Patreon if you just give us a one-time donation. As I was to say. you have a lot of cash. I mean, oil money is just the ticket that we need. Well, and that's how that's how Saudi Arabia and Norway are similar, honestly. Mm-hmm. Norway is also coasting on oil money. Um, right. But with a little less executions of um, people for having, you know, making representational art or whatever. they. Yeah, imagine if, yeah. If, if, imagine if, it, if we swapped them and like Kanazgar was getting executed for his books. He would absolutely get executed for his. <laughs> he, would, he would get sent to fucking Siberia. Or it, it's but it's not for like the ejaculation or anything. It's it's they are too boring. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop. Please stop writing this. Imagine he gets sent to like Siberia or the Arctic, the tundra yeah. for just being boring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we cannot tolerate this type of person in our society. He produced not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six volumes of this tiresome monologue. It was, uh, did you do the reading, Andrew? Um, I opened up to it. I have it right here. Oh, cool. Okay. I mean, I did the reading because I, I read the book hard on my first go around. Yeah. You read the book hard on your first go around? I went <laughs> hard. I did a deep read back then. So I you skipped over none of the words. Is that what you're saying? You... I never skip words. I, I, yeah. know, I, I investigate every punk, every comma. Interesting. I mean, okay. Kanazgar is actually easy to read, though. You know, I mean, on a sentence-to-sentence level, it's not. You know, he's easy. I mean, he's like for kids. Yeah, I mean, as our Twitter followers now know, you have been teaching Kanazgar to your sixth graders. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Wouldn't, wouldn't do it again. Wouldn't do oh. it again. Yeah, you gotta they, stick to like Animal Farm and The Giver and stuff like that when you're. Uh, the give no, The Giver is the reason my. Low, hatred of the giver is what pushed me to Kanazgar because I, <laughs> yeah, that's specifically what pushed you to teach all no, of them to I, <laughs> I've been teaching the giver and I loathe it so much that I had to shake things up and I did and I, okay. I said I even said we're not going to read the giver tonight do not read the giver we're, I'm, I'm giving you another <laughs> reading and can if you want to ask why I, how I actually did relate them because you know in this yeah. loathsome book the giver they don't have color and various other senses so mm-hmm. I, was, I, I signed this creative writing project where they had to basically like explain a, an object or a sensation to a resident of the world of the giver. Mm, okay. And Kanazgard in, in Autumn 
um, and in that series is trying to like explain and re-describe the world to his as yet unborn daughter. Uh, okay, that's actually kind of legit. No, it was legit. I just think that unfortunately, Carl Uva kind of failed me because I, the writing wasn't as vivid and kind of exuberant as I'd hoped it would be. Yeah. Um, it was like, yeah, and it, he's a bit, he kind of goes on a bit too long. He's not really like poetically controlled enough to write something like that because he ends up just like yeah. digressing and in a way that kind of gets boring. Yeah, he's definitely not poetically controlled. Um, but yeah, so I signed in the passage on Fever and then one on Chimneys and one mm. on, um, I don't remember what the other one was on, Grapes or some shit. I don't know. Grapes. Oh, no, he eats grapes. He says, when I was a child and I had a fever, I could get grapes. It's like, that's what they give you? I guess that's what they give you in Norway when you're <laughs> first, Traditional dude. Norwegian medicine. It's like not a popsicle. You get a fucking grape. Like, I don't know about that. I guess maybe they were freezing the grapes. Yeah. In the, fr- in the freezer. It's already frozen out there. Can you just go? If you have a fever, just take a little walk outside. <laughs> That's a great point, Drew. <laughs> Put your head in a snow. Why, why can't they just cure fevers that way in Norway? <laughs> just, just make the kid go outside with no clothes. Yeah, just step outside. It's, yeah, it's a natural freezer. What could I go guess wrong? It's, it's always, there's so much slant. If you could count the number of descriptions of slanting snow in my struggle. There's a lot of them. You'd be overwhelmed, but yeah, I don't. I I wanted to teach the the beer escapade that we talked about last time to yeah. my seniors. They might like that. <clears throat> I thought they might find it, you know, relatable. Right. Pathetic. Um, remember that time you hid beer in a bush? Yeah. So did this notorious, famous writer. Well, try it. See what happens. Marcel Proust never and then you can teach our own podcast episode with Christian as a supplementary right well I've been I've been telling I've been writing a lot of cover letters and I say my students and I have been going beyond the fixity of text and investigating podcasts as well (laughs) and actually in one in in one job interview the woman asked me so what podcast have you been teaching and I just said um Oh, okay. I'm bleeping that out. We can't have our listeners know that you listen to that podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. I didn't. I don't actually teach that. Okay. I was about to say. <laughs> of course, I listen to it, but I don't teach it. Okay. Don't be... admit that, Drew. Don't do not admit. What's that. wrong with that? That's just no. Remember, we're a politically neutral podcast. That, we're a psychotically politi- central politi- podcast, podcast. Centrist podcast. Um. We can't. Yeah. Give any inkling of our political inclinations to our listeners. Um, <laughs> I had a Ooh. cold last week, so I actually have a bit of, um, you know. Sorry, I'm I meant to say the wasting disease. I have the wasting disease, and I'm now dying in kind of literary fashion. Maybe you should head to a sanitarium. It's not Corona. I got tested for it. I don't know why I have to feel I have to give that disclaimer to our listeners. It's not like you're even sick. Really me, but I do sure. not have Corona. You will not get auditory Corona by listening to this. Oh, I've already had auditory Corona. It was tough. Um, uh, so I, yeah, I want everyone to know that if I clear my throat on this episode, it's absolutely not a pretension. I really do have a lot of phlegm accumulating. Maybe you should take a little Sudafed. Well, I already take antihistamines every morning for, uh, because I literally do have fluid buildup if I don't take them. Mm. Just another defect that I have. I feel you. Yeah. I got an antihistamine drip. Seriously, though. Just 
mix a little, put a little Benadryl in my coffee every morning. I would compensate for the, I guess the caffeine would kind of fight against it. That's a good point. Damn, I kind of want coffee now. Um, Just rails and Benadryl. But uh, what was I? Oh, so before I got cut off somehow, uh, we were talking about food and um, and how much of it is discussed in this passage. This is the morning after the famous beer on the hill saga. Oh God! Um, it starts. Oh, is this when he? Is this when he says he was craving a burger and fries? Uh, that's after the party, the class party. This is like even literally right after the uh, New Year's Eve party, and he wakes up, and there's the um, there the the radio is on in the kitchen, and he's uh, well, let's let's discuss it. He says, uh. I sat down and spread some liver pate on a slice of bread. Succeeded after several attempts in spearing a pickle with a fork, put it on top, and lifted the teapot to feel if it was empty. What do you think of that? I actually had the privilege of eating liver pate only last weekend with with cornichon pickles. That honestly sounds really good to me. I like liver. Um. This was almost milder than I expected. It's kind of odd because it's sort of creamy and it it kind of looks like you're eating like some mousse or something sweet. And then it's like, has this kind of, I don't know, like blood-like taste. I'm not sure. It's sort of metallic. You're not not fond of liver pate? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. We had it with beautiful crusty bread and and I think think it needs some like, it needs some sharp mustard or something. Like Like a pickle, something to kind of yeah cut, cut the like biological intensity of eating like mm. organ like that although you know my liver is much stronger liver is really good for your liver so although i'm not sure if i were a <clears throat> 15 year old if i'd want to um awaken and then eat and eat eat some uh, liver well but it's and this is something i wanted to talk about it's holiday mm-hmm. leftovers right and there's a special right. magic to holiday leftovers i didn't think about that I really, I feel quite fond and there's something, there's just this wonderful abundance about holiday leftovers. Just having a, a nice sandwich with turkey and uh, turkey and cranberry sauce, you know? So that would be the American variation. I guess, I don't, I guess. This having is a British. slice of pumpkin pie for breakfast. I did that Ooh. in all of Thanksgiving weekend. Well, you, move. you derided my um, leftover meal of choice. That's true. Which is the and is the ultimate leftover apple pie? No, I'm uh, I'm bleeping this out. This is with melted cheddar cheese. No. It's not so. I don't see why you think it's unforgivably bad. It's actually a quite natural combination of a salty, a salty, fatty thing with a sweet, crispy one. I think that must be a New England thing. I remember reading about that. Oh, it the, is. Yeah, but I'm a proud New Englander. In uh, Eugenides, actually, of all people, whomst, of whomst we spoke last time. Uh, did you ever He's, read the marriage plot? The marriage. I actually read it in our final month at Grinnell. Weirdly, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the chick in that she goes to the diner at Brown or in Providence, Rhode Island, with that dude, and and they have cheddar cheese on apple pie. Yeah, I was. That made I a big did impression it, on me. I did it before it was cool. I did it before it was Eugenides. Uh, before Eugenides had a. Before Eugenides got his greasy paws on it. Yeah. On it. His I like olive to- oil, his olive oil slathered boss. <laughs> hey, we're not an anti-Greek <laughs> podcast, okay? Oh, I- we're not. Sorry. 
I mean, a Greek Greece is like Iberia adjacent, and even though they're sort of Greece, over on the other do they fuck with olive oil also? Then? Oh yeah, they, they the fuck. Italian. That's the that's the original yeah. home of olive oil. Yeah, that's okay, the. So I was right to make that slur. Yeah, but I I feel like Greeks are underrated, especially and under. I mean, over. I guess you could argue that they're culturally quite overrated, but I think like like modern Greeks, like people forget that Greece is still around and and and. I know. There. Well, I think that's what plagues modern Greece is like their past grandeur, you know. Yeah, you don't get as much of that. With, excel beyond with that. Italy. Italy's well, Italy had the Renaissance, so they and had they a had more Mussolini. recent grandeur. And Mussolini. And Mussolini and uh, I mean, a bunch of movies about like yeah. a Playboy in his early forties kind of walking around Rome and going to dinner yeah, like and meeting like, women with a lot of mascara. Like waif like boys yeah. and, and teenage girls like smoking in like bombed out alleys yeah there's a lot of good stuff like that in italy they basically you just when you go to italy you're just in a, in a neorealist uh film that's oh, my Ferrante. understanding i've never been there well honestly i wouldn't re- not wouldn't tap it i have heard however from joe rogan that there's a lot of art to be seen in italy <laughs> <laughs> yeah man michelangelo the sistine chapel oh. Joe Rogan, he'd probably just like smoke a doobie in the Sistine Chapel and like set it up on fire. As it, you know what? As it should be. The Sistine Chapel has had its moment in the sun. Let it, let it. Go. Yeah, it's kind of played out. Sistine Chapel is kind of played out, man. I'm surprised Ken Osgaard hasn't done this some bit where he like walks, like ingests art. Yeah, that's true. It yeah, seems he like something that. he did the Munch book, but I haven't read it. But honestly, Zabald is better at. Oh, so. yeah, because he puts the he puts the pi- the picture in the text and it's like, yeah. what is that? Oh, it's <laughs> he does crazy stuff like that. Yeah, this is so enigmatic. Oh, it's... Hey, I don't appreciate you saying things about like that about my man WG. This pod is no, I have no allegiance to my WG. Okay, well, let's move on to this. Um, I still oh, and really- he also recounts. He also, sorry, I don't know why I'm so fixated on this, but he also recounts mm-hmm. the uh, cold buffet. First of all, cold buffet, a little wretched. You, no <laughs> one wants idiot. a cold buffet. That is <laughs> no, I mean, absolutely not. Is, is that what a continental breakfast is essentially, though? Yeah, which is only a slightly better euphemism. Does the term continental breakfast exist in the continental world or is it just like holiday? That's a great question. Is it just the holiday? Um, it may just be the holiday and this is something we can investigate another time. Imagine Kanazgar doing one of those waffle machines in the holiday Inn. I can absolutely imagine him bumbling <laughs> yeah. his way through a continental breakfast. And then he devotes like 60 <laughs> pages to his trying to operate the machine. I'm actually surprised he didn't get that in during his uh yeah. guard in North America. Or maybe he did and we're forgetting about it. But I feel like there absolutely should have been a very long passage about navigating the continental breakfast at like a a super eight in Nova Scotia. Um, he would absolutely fumble with the washing. The he would fumble machine, the waffle machine. Yeah. What I still don't know what page we're on. Um, well, I don't know, Drew, because I'm in the Kindle version. Okay. So, well, I'm in the so there's a little there's a little section break, and this is the very end where he's cur- curling up with the cat, and then there's a section break, and he says, "The next morning, I woke to the radio in the kitchen. Oh, but stayed where I was. Oh, wait, I see the <clears> next <throat> scene. 
next morning dad drove mom to the airport no it's a little before that oh yes i got it i got it i got it that's funny Uh, that there are two passages in a row that begin with the next morning typical i know (laughs) typical canalsgard no fucks given No attempt to make it. My man was sleeping through the lesson about the transitions in creative writing class. The next morning. After some time, before long. <laughs> yeah. You should talk about the rosy fingertips of Dawn. Just fucking rip it off, rip off yeah, the just, Odyssey. They, yeah, that's what the that's the and use, use it in every single passage. Yeah. Epithets. Like they, you know, yeah. you're relieved of the duty of being original. It's just like, well, you know, it's rosy yeah. fingertips <laughs> Rosy fingertips have gone. I woke up, went to the continental <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> it's like rosy the waffle fingers. machine. There was the rosy fingers of Dawn <laughs> penetrated the Motel Eight. <laughs> the batter-stained fingers of Dawn. Yeah, the batter, <laughs> the batter-stained fingers of Dawn. Um, that's actually I'm gonna write that. Yeah. I'm gonna write the continental breakfast version of the Odyssey. It's about, <laughs> instead of the Odyssey, it's like a middle manager business traveler <laughs> in oh, middle God. America. Uh, Sorry if I'm really fixated on the Odyssey. I've been reading a lot of Greek mythology with the kids, and uh, oh, they're really crazy about it. And it's good. Like I have to say, there's a reason why people keep coming back to that. Those uh, Greeks just—they can't outlive it. They're still just yeah. like, they're still just drinking olive oil and talking about Achilles and shit. Yeah, well, they, we was great. Horse, we yeah. was great once. That's exactly what they sound like. We had a we had Achilles running around. Yeah. Supposedly, allegedly, the wrath of Achilles. What is it? I forget the opening. Some wrath. Know. The word is wrath. I know it's in there somewhere. I wish I had studied classics at Grinnell. I took I humanities one one. Classics major. I consider myself basically a classics. You consider major. yourself a classicist. I'm basically an accidental classicist. Yeah. <laughs> the accidental classicist. Um, if only so you can call yourself a classicist. I know it that's is so a great cool. title. Yeah. I mean, that's so much better than like. What do you What do you say if you do English? Like, I study comparative literature. Yeah, I study uh, the ontology <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of the semicolons in Moby Dick. No offense, <laughs> no offense to all the English professors who listen to this podcast. <laughs> Shout out Ralph Savary's literature. Shout out Ralph. Please come on the pod. We'd really <laughs> actually please don't. <laughs> oh uh, my god! I hope. He never shows his bald head on this podcast. <laughs> what if what if Ralph grew hair in quarantine? What if that was like uh, I don't think he's biologically capable of doing No, but what producing. if it's just he's been shaving so long he forgot that <laughs> it was possible. Uh, that would be He just a, has a beautiful mane by the time corona is over. That'd be a miracle. I mean, I, I wonder what that would go well with his his earring, the vestige of his youth. I Doesn't still can't even... believe he has that. I think he I know, does, I, yeah. All right, well. Let's back to the cold buffet. I want to read this entire passage. So mom asks Carl Ufo, what did you have to eat? And he says, it was a cold buffet. I think the girl's mother made it. It was the usual, you know, shrimp and vegetables and jelly, transparent. What? Shrimp and aspic, mom queried. Yes, shrimp and aspic and ordinary shrimp and crab. Two lobsters. There wasn't enough for everyone, but we all got to taste a bit. And then, oh yeah, some ham and other things. First of all, this—he did not go to a cold buffet on New Year's Eve, so he's yeah, lying this? about this. So first, he's lying about all of the dreadful. This is such just such a specific lie to tell about a buffet. Well, that's there were only two lobsters. 
I think that's why that's what accounts for the specificity. He's trying to make it have a verisimilitude, so he's being extra specific. But why was that the thing he went to that there was only two lobsters? I mean, I I'm guess not, it's impressive it's like, that he thought of uh, that specificity was kind of is convincing, you know. It's the difference between saying there was some lobster and two lobster. It sounds like it was real. I can't hear you. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, yeah, this is bad. This keeps happening. I don't know why. It's definitely on my end. Uh, maybe it's the, that neat little mic you got. Yeah, it's because I flew too close to the sun with, uh, with audio equipment. I keep trying to go above my grade in terms of you got another technology. Myth. Yeah, it's another mythological. Another myth. Another myth. Shit, you are you are basically a classicist now. Who knew that babysitting was a road to classicism? Well, to be fair, I've been referencing Icarus on like a weekly <laughs> basis for years. I don't know why, flagged. but she always comes up. It's yeah. just such a good reference. Yeah, you can always just drop and deploy that phrase, and you know, I flew you can too deploy close. It literally. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they do that in Greece. Like, do they? Do they probably just say all the time. Oh, that's a great. Oh, question. you know, yeah. Christos, he flew too close to the sun. <laughs> got... That's how their economy got fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Didn't <laughs> Germany? Doesn't Germany like own Greece now? Something like that. The yeah. Fuck? And that's what Angela Merkel said during uh, the bailout. <laughs> she said, "You flew too close to the sun." Yeah. Oh, sorry. We're we're straying too close into politics, and I want to, I want to be clear that we have a completely neutral view on austerity on this podcast. <clears throat> yeah, I remain austere. Yeah, we remain austere with our political views. On us. Um, Spartan, Spartan. We remain Spartan. But it's just a good reminder that that's where upper Midwestern cuisine comes from. Kind of the oh. all of that dreadful like hot dish and. I think. So that's that's salad. like German. I remember I was one. I once went to an Iowa Easter, and I saw some substance that to this day I have still not identified. <laughs> and I was I was lethally hungover that day, like on the verge of vomiting every two minutes. And I saw this pinkish gelatinous thing, and it was like quivering in its bowl. And I've never recovered from that. I mean, I I felt the bile rising instantaneously. And I, I'll never probably forgive, sentient. I'll never forgive Germany for exporting these things to. I think, I think it's also Scandinavia because that's where all the Scandinavians went. Is uh, uh and North yeah, Canada. they went up to Minna, They went up to Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, shrimp salad, kind of, or is it? No, it's not salad. It's shrimp jelly. Shrimp in aspic. What is so that? do you like That's smear like it onto bread? Do you smear it or do you just spoon yeah, it? Maybe out? you just take, it's like a filter fish. You take a little slice of it. I find a filter fish actually pretty creepy as well. I don't care for it. Yeah. It's, and, I don't know what was going on in Central Eastern Europe with like with ways of preserving fish, but they found the least attractive. See, the oh. Greeks and the What? Oh, <laughs> you find looking at some pictures of shrimp in aspic. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Is it horrifying? Is it is it hideous? This is so upsetting. Oh no. What does it look like? Can you show me? Oh, no offense to this lady who posted a picture of her shrimp and aspic. I'm I'm sure she's like a really her name is Carolyn Park at Homemade Happiness. I'm sure she's like the nicest lady, but this looks disgusting. Oh. Make it with lemon jello. And then you put shrimp. Oh. 
and celery and so onions. This is and like a are... kind of like a, a 50s housewife thing too. Essentially, yeah. Like when they were everything was like suspended in jello, like Yes. That was kind of miraculous. I feel like I'm I'm sort of sad I missed out on that like ha- cubes of ham suspended in pineapple jello or something. Yes. Yes. Can you imagine just going to your friend Bobby's house and the his mom just brings yeah. you a slice just of that? Just breaks that out. Yeah. Well, that's why it was the golden age of of America. And then you just proceed to like go smoke a pack of cigarettes and you're like eight years old. Yes. Actually, my dad did indeed smoke cigarettes when he was in third grade. Uh, they would steal them from his uh, friend's Classic. mom and then smoke them in the sewer. <laughs> that's those kids. They got strong, you know, they, they, they got really strong. Yeah, they got tough. Oh, resilient. I'm just like, oh, I'm just so upset by looking at this. I'll put well, a... wait. I'm going to look at it. Can you still hear yeah, me? Yeah, look at it. I can still hear you. Just Google shrimp and aspect. I, that's exactly what I typed in. Oh, also the way it's like, it's like a decorous mold. Oh, oh God, that, that is horrifying. Why? Why would I mean, you do this to shrimp? I suppose it comes out of a utilitarian need to like preserve something, right? An aspect function as a preservative. I, I certainly hope it has some utilitarian thing. Otherwise, it's just pure violence. I mean, in any case, at this point, it's no longer necessary. So yeah, give it up. Give it up. Give up this vestige of earlier times. Here's, it can go. Here's one from Food Fifty Two <laughs> called Retricado Aspic with Mango and Shrimp. No, absolutely not. Oh my god, the wonderful wobbliness of sixties and seventeen seventies no. gelatin mousses. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, it's still he's a good he's being kind of like a writer here though. He's being very specific so as to persuade his mother of the reality. I know, I know. Yeah. There's not only the shrimp and aspect. There's the ordinary shrimp and the two lobsters. And then he kind of run out of steam and he says, "Oh yeah." Uh, some ham and other things. And mom says, sounds good. Here's a New York Times recipe. I know, I saw the New York Times thing. When was this written? Was this new? If it's like, it's like rehabilitated shrimp and ass. Yeah. Maybe we should, you know, we should make this together one one day. We should do the mukbang. It'll be part of, you don't know what a mukbang is? It's eating on camera. Oh. Yeah. Is that like a, porn thing no it's like a huge 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 video like subculture it started in korea but it's like i've seen videos of women eating thing things now. yeah <laughs> but it's not just women oh i've seen mostly women yeah. <laughs> i haven't well seen... maybe it's because you're looking on certain types of websites <laughs> no i meant they were eating like i've seen asian women <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like eating no, eating like burgers and, and yeah. things. And also yeah. like, yeah, just eating cre- various creatures. Yeah. Wasn't but, there? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Mukbang. A mukbang, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone wants to watch me ingest uh, yeah. shrimp. I mean, I would love to. I'll eat on the air. We could just do it for our own enjoyment and then never release the tapes. <laughs> It'll just be. In- you just keep them in a vault. Hey, that sounds cool. Yeah. I would. What? It, wait, what? I don't even understand. What as aspects the same identical to Jello? Yeah, maybe it's the maybe it's the Norwegian word for 
I mean, Jello is made of originally was made of pig gelatin's pig mm. byproduct, right? It's a byproduct of pigs. Clave. Oh well, yeah. I mean, nothing. If you'd aspic and shrimp at the same <laughs> gelatin and shrimp, I mean, you're like. What you're, could be more clave? You basically regrow your foreskin if you eat that. It's just. <laughs> kind of, it's true. This entire meal that he outlines, because after that, he he takes this piece of salami and eats it with mayonnaise. <laughs> My man is growing several forces. Uh, he never had one to lose. I mean, he's yeah, just got that weird bent, that bent ass. That's true. Pick. Does he ever, do we ever know whether he is cut or uncut in this? I imagine on, I think. This Probably if he was born in Norway and yeah. The, they didn't snip. Yeah. He, kind of surprising got, that we don't know given he's everything got, he well, i'm about. surprised that we don't see him like dealing with smegma that seems like a canals guardian image that does seem like a canals guardian image well something to ask him if he ever comes on our show right? hey man so can you talk <laughs> about smegma How, yeah and then that i'm just surprised it hasn't inspired like 60 pages of you know digressing into how he would wash off his foreskin. I, I mean, I, honestly, I'm interested just sort of. Well, that's what we can in our Kanausgard fan fiction. We need one a story about the waffle maker. Yeah. Story about smegma. Smegma, waffles, aspic. Yep. These are what we call in the writing biz vivid details. Absolutely. You know, in the pro, in the business of prose. In the business of prose. Yeah. The highly lucrative business of prose. Yeah. <laughs> um, I clapped my I clapped my eyes on the brawn grandma had made. Perhaps brawn wouldn't be a bad idea for the next slice? Question mark. And then one with lamb sausage. I think he always eats four sandwiches. This is like a biblical thing, except instead of the seven whatever's, it's like he always has to eat four sandwiches. I'll also note here that he's doing a very classic Kanaz Guardian technique and. Um, kind of writing this sentence fragment way, I hesitated, took another slice of bread, scanned the table for something to put it on, salami with mayonnaise, that looked good. It's kind of that just like, it's like this inventory, this yes. like listing style. I, I suppose here he actually is sort of hung over, so maybe this is how his brain is processing these details. Yeah, but this actually did you, seem like a very authentic depiction of like a hangover to me. Yeah. Or felt like one. But um he goes to pear's house and they watch the guns of navarone on vhs did you ever watch that movie i don't even know what that film is but you've never seen the guns of navarone i watched it with my no. parents when i was a kid i really loved it um it's like a world war ii adventure film oh i love that kind of thing yeah i think you would really like it yeah okay i haven't seen it it has um but there's kind of a it's the day after, and I think the punchline is that he has much more fun with his lame friends who don't go out on New Year's Eve watching the Guns of Navarone in their basement. That's classic. Than he does, uh, you know, drinking. Because, I mean, then there's no anxiety about, you know... Exactly. Entering this yeah. hierarchy of being cool and getting laid and all that tiresome yeah. business. Yeah, good old Pear. Pear seems like just an absolute mensch. Like... Yeah. Carl Ufa treats him like shit. He's like doesn't even let him sit on the bus with him to school because he doesn't want to be associated with him. And yet he still like rewinds the guns of Navarone for him. Sometimes you just want to hang out with your bros and watch the guns of Navarone. 
Yeah, and that's the moral of book one. Yeah, that's what you should glean from this text. Don't. Yeah. I mean, think about this. Don't dude. try to do anything. Yeah. Give. I mean, don't spend 180 pages of your life trying to get beer <laughs> off a hill. Unless, unless you're gonna write a international best. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking all I wanted to do was sit right here in a newly built house in a circle of light in the middle of the forest and be as stupid as I like. As I like. That was nice. That's the dream. Yeah. And it's it's always the things that have absolutely no expectations heaped on them that are the <laughs> best or the most peaceful. Um, then there's a very weird part with a uh, dad gives grandma a tablecloth mm. and no even before that this whole honestly this whole section where they they come back from dropping mom off at the airport and visit grandma and grandpa is very creepy reading it a second time because he's describing the layout of the house that he will later clean out with ingva also the conversation they have in this house is so it's so stilted and it's the like most banal he's giving us the most banal reporting of what they talk about how are the rows he asked i see they weren't that <laughs> said where's this like local news you know, worse on new year's eve and there was no traffic to speak of either and then yeah. even he feels uncomfortable he even says so it's 1985 <laughs> 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 just to, to break the silence that had already lasted seconds maybe this is why they and that, that kind of reverberates across time even though he's talking about it being 1985 like that moment of trying to uh yeah futilely trying to incubate conversation is like that's yeah. very authentic i mean actually i think this is a significant moment in the book because um the new year itself is kind of like insignificant almost it's sort of this is like boring anti-climate yeah. i mean oh i mean who I guess the buildup was somewhat engage- interesting, but now well, he's just... It's even <laughs> more anticlimactic because in the next section, he gets invited to a class party and he decides instead of getting Tom to buy him beer, he's just going to go to the grocery store and buy it. And he's successful. <laughs> no one even right. has an eye. So and then why did he go that. through all those foibles? Exactly. So there's been some kind of like change uh, or I don't know. Either an anticlimax or a change, something. But I want to talk about this part where Dad gives Grandma the tablecloth. Do you want to open? Oh, you shouldn't have, Grandma said. Goodness me, you shouldn't buy presents for me, dear. Yes, I should, Dad said. Come on, open it. I didn't know where to look. There was something intimate about all this, which I had not witnessed before and had no idea existed. Grandma stood with a tablecloth in her hand. My, how beautiful, she exclaimed. I thought it would match the wallpaper upstairs, Dad said. Can you see that? Lovely, Grandma said. Well, Dad said, in a tone that precluded any further embellishments, we'll be off now. We got into the car. Dad started the engine, and a cascade of light struck the garage door. Grandma waved goodbye from the steps as we reversed down the little slope. As always, she closed the door behind her when we were turning, and by the time we drove onto the main road, she was gone. Line break. Page break. In the next days, I occasionally thought about the little episode in the hall, and my feeling was the same every time. I had seen something I shouldn't have seen. Wait, which episode is he discuss? Is he talking about there? When they go visit Grandma on the way back from the airport. Yeah, I know, but what what happens in the hall? 
Dad gives grandma a tablecloth. That's oh, all that's that happens. Ex- that's the exchange? Yeah. Why does he feel as though he had a sort of moment that Well, that's why I bring it up. It's something, <laughs> I think it's too, in, there's something too intimate about it, maybe. Also, because his dad is such a distant figure for him, maybe seeing him in a moment of intimacy with grandma is too much. It's funny, though, that there is something intimate about it. I mean, maybe there is, but it's also just like... Oh, giving a gift is intimate, I think. But it's not exactly like you saw them making out. (laughs) Drew, you're so narrow-minded. Come on. I mean, no, I'm not. I'm just saying that he's always... This is just a mundane gift-giving. Right, but that's the whole point of Kanausgard is mundane and seemingly insignificant moments can actually have outside... Right, right. I, I see that, but even... No, I mean... I guess I just find it mysterious. That's what I'm saying. It's very mysterious. Yeah. And it's never really explained fully why it was, it felt like a violation or, but there's all these things that are like, that he, throughout this book, I think identifies as strange violations or encroachments. For example, the gravel in the, in the garage or um, that I think are very textural. And the fact that they're not resolved is, I think, you know, of course, contributes to the verisimilitude. I just, even this one, I, this just seems like a stretch. I'm not sure what to do with this. He's, he just witnesses his dad giving his mother a tablecloth. Yeah, and- but think of how odd that is for dad to do, because we know dad is this incredibly distant figure who has absolutely almost no warmth for anyone around I mean, him. I suppose it is interesting that eventually the grandma and the father will enter into this like sick enmeshment of alcoholic. Yeah. Drink. Well, maybe but, that's, that's what it is. Maybe that's the beginning yeah. of it. That's, yeah, that's kind mean, of the gift of let's start on this journey of alcoholism together. Yeah. I don't know if this inaugurates their decay or something, but yeah, it's the inauguration ceremony. It's, it's still, I guess, when I read that moment, I actually had to go back and see what he meant because I, as I read it, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was I think I did too. Yeah. That, what yeah. did I miss? Like, what did he, what did he witness in the hall? I mean, even the word witness. Yeah. Witness. Yeah. Strangely loaded. And like, sounds like he's watching a crime being committed. There's some transgression. That's to be or sure. Is this, or is this like. Well, and his is this, father is so jealously private or so studiously private is this like a cultural thing though where he is so repressed in this culture that (laughs) even with even seeing your father give his mother a gift feels like an intrusion or or feels like yeah too close to something emotionally could be be. maybe i'm just norwegian listeners please write in and tell us uh maybe being like um, america centric or something yeah I, maybe we're I'm, yeah sorry being chauvinistic is I'm that actually a huge transgression for a, a father well you know in Norway, a tablecloth if you, if you ever see your father giving his mother a tablecloth you need to and close one that matches eyes. the wallpaper maybe yeah. that's it it's because he's put enough thought into it that it even matches the wallpaper and dad is not someone inclined to do that I mean, I think it is a little vulnerable to give someone a gift or to be seen giving someone a gift because there's like the moment of waiting. Will they like it or not? How will they receive it? And for to have someone else witness that is maybe a little, I don't know if anyone, listen, right into the show, if you have any thoughts on this incident, 
I the mean, tablecloth gift. We'd love to know what was going on there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose you're right that it is quite characteristic of the world or the methods of the book where these mundane <laughs> items take on this, like, they start to, like, glow with significance. But, um, and I mean, even, you know, we could think about what, you know, what is a tablecloth? What does it do? Mm, it, um, it is a tablecloth. It's a boundary. It, it, <laughs> it separates... Okay what we eat from from the wood itself right it's like it's like a it's almost like a a membrane that Mm. blocks blocks stains sure and here he's actually the membrane between him and his father is breaking down he sort of becomes oh galaxy brain mode has been initiated this this is a this is just a tablecloth brain okay I mean, I wonder what kind it is. Is it you know, some of them are oily? They're kind of oily. Oh yeah, that are kind of like uh, almost have the consistency of like um like pleather, not pleather. It's like a lipid layer, you know? Yeah, that's true. If it was since it was the seventies, I'm guessing it was probably more of a, a plasticky tablecloth than a you know a silken. <laughs> I encourage our listeners to go go give your mom a tablecloth and see what happens. <laughs> Let's do a vast social experiment. Make sure it make sure the carpet uh, matches the drapes, as they say. That, yeah, it, and make sure that your son, from whom yeah. whom you have an uneasy relationship, witnesses the act. <laughs> make sure you let your don't don't you know be <laughs> obvious about it, but sort of yeah. But let him see it. Let him witness that. Yeah, that's uh, a, that's an important step on the road to maturity. That's true. It's uh, walking in on your parents having sex and also witnessing your dad giving his mom a tablecloth. I mean, that's the language he's using sounds like he witnessed. It is. It really is almost the same language. Yeah. In the some primal scene here, like it's like imagine a Freudian uh, case study, but it's just about this repressed Norwegian guy who can't get over the fact that he's (laughs) God's father. because they're so repressed it doesn't even have to be like a sexual act it's uh i witnessed my gymnast teacher spread liver pate on a piece of bread and he did not know i was watching (laughs) (laughs) even freud would be out of ideas like what i'd I'd be like well maybe he was just uh enjoying some liver pate yeah sometimes pate is just pate the pate is just a pate and we want to be clear although i don't know in canosgard it's weird that it's not like these mundane items become like sort of symbolic in a tiresome, transparent way, but yeah, 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 they just start to kind of resonate. I don't know. Um, and here, I kind of liked. I guess he does explain it a bit, but um, it's um, yeah, it's an odd incident, <laughs> to say the least. And also, I think one that uh, resonates kind of doubly when you read it the second time because of yeah, what we I mean, know. I see- Occur- goes down in that space many years later i suppose that especially like the house the cleaning of the house as you said becomes so kind of traumatic or intense that that seems to almost be the only way to read it and like i especially because we know the house that they'll like build together well it won't be built they won't build any kind of house at all they'll just destroy the house yeah yeah and it'll be up to Ken Osgard himself to clean it so maybe in a strange way i don't think of him as sort of loading moments with like you know or kind of retro yeah there is one thing though and this could just be a coincidence is that what do they eat at grandma and grandpa's they eat a plate piled with rizzles 
rizzolis and gravy. And what do he and Ingva cook for grandma when they're cleaning out her house? Also rizzolis. Really? Let's look. Let's look up what those are. Yeah, because I was trying to look at find some food passages for our, when we were going to have that's, our food that's writer a great, friend on. That's a great uh, noticing. Um, Thank you so much. Um, this is why they pay me the big bucks. Although, yeah, I mean, that's seems, with Kanazgut, it doesn't even seem intentional so much as this just like organic accumulation. Or it could be that in in Norway, that's like just the only. thing. That's just the staple. Yeah, it's you just throw on some rizzoles. Okay, old what are they? beef rizzoles. I don't. I'm Is trying it like to figure a pasta this out. Thing? It sounds yeah. They seem to eat like a lot of kind of watered down Italian food in Norway. For yeah, example, it's true. Like what broth-y are made of? Limp noodles. Okay, a classic way to stretch out leftover roast lambs rizzoles. Oh, and like a meatball made with breadcrumbs, herbs, and cooked meat. Okay, okay, so yeah, meatball. so it's basically a meatball. Yeah, what is the difference between meatballs and rizzoles? Uh-huh. Meatballs are small and round, hamburger <laughs> patties are large and flattish, rizzoles <laughs> are somewhere in between those two in size. Well, how do you get them somewhere in between? Just like, it's, well, it's just not, it's not quite as round as a meatball, but it's not as. It just sounds like a lazy meatball. This is just a lazy meatball or a strangely uh, bulky burger or something. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. We should Um, definitely, one of these days, we need to have a Kanaz Guardian feast. Exactly, that's what I've been saying. Cook cook up some sardines and tomato sauce, some rizzles. I won't eat for days. like... God, that's gonna gonna take a toll on the esophagus, though. I don't know if I have, I don't know if I can deal with that. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to like do a, a cleanse or some kind of. I'm cleanse. already on a pretty high dose of imeprazole, as is so I, I can't hear you. Mute. Oh, wait, I'm on. I'm oh, you're back. That's why. Okay. I don't know what happened just there. Too many rizzles down the gullet. Too <laughs> many rizzles. I'm in a rizzle haze. Um, yeah, so we were talking about rizzles and or rizzoli, as it maybe we're not sure. Somehow it sounded like a pasta item. It sounded like it does. It sounds yeah, like it should be a pasta shape or like that was like a ravioli adjacent to ravioli. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Um. So moving on from that, um, there's the last thing we need to talk about is this. Um, so Carl Uva says, "I feel seen at something I shouldn't have seen, but it passed quickly." Mm-hmm. And the reason it passed quickly is because this is the beginning of the Hana saga. Do you remember Hana? Of course. How could I forget? Yeah. So Hana is this girl in his class of whom we've heard about before, because remember, he gives us that long list of every girl in his class and like a short pithy description of them. Uh, With whom he suddenly falls in love at a um, class party. And um, it's kind of I love this whole the whole weekend he describes it's um and here's his the father's out of town maybe that's yeah, his father's out of town so it's like this sudden kind of serendipitous coming together of events that's like this moment of intense or weekend of intense liberation he's also even last party he comes even yeah dad has left some fresh shrimp in the fridge yes I want to read the passage because it's it, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so on top, so dad sends it has the note. He says, Carl Uva, I'm at a seminar this weekend, coming home Sunday night. There are some fresh shrimp in the fridge and there's a loaf in the bread basket. Enjoy yourself, dad. On top, there's a 500 crone note. Oh, this was just perfect. Shrimp was what I loved most. I ate them in front of the television that evening. Afterward, I went for a walk through town, playing my Walkman, first lust for life by Iggy Pop. 
And then one of the later Roxy music albums, something to do with the distance between the inside and the outside worlds arose then, something that I liked so much. When I saw all the drunken faces of people who had gathered by the bars, it was as if they existed in a different dimension from mine. The same applied to the cars driving by, to the drivers getting in and out of their cars at the gas station, to the shop assistants standing behind the counters with their weary smiles and mechanical movements, and to men out walking their dogs. I love that. That's great. Also how that it's just like this list and then it just like runs on into this metaphysical observation or something like that. But I think I think like when you're kind of teetering on the verge of freedom like that, I think very small thing like your dad leaving for the weekend cannot feel very kind of like a revelation. First of all, you get to eat your favorite food in front of the TV, which is personally one of my favorite things to do when my parents were away. I remember like, yeah, my parents would go away and I'd get like some money to buy food and I just like watch my favorite stuff on TV. For some reason, I always watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High. We had the DVD of that. Mm. Um, And I'd like eat sushi and watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Great memories. Uh, I wish wish I'd had a dad who could leave for the weekend to make me feel free. (laughs) Sorry. You never had this experience of just having the weekend to yourself and like being the king. I think I I don't know maybe it was different because I had a twin brother so I was always sort of surrounded um but yeah of course I did no I did I don't know if I had shrimp though um a whole basket of fresh shrimp it's funny because it's like not beer not an aspect it's just shrimp yeah well but okay and so then after that he I also did a lot of this when I was a teenager. I don't know if teenagers still do this. Just walking around with my uh, my iPod, oh my, or really dating myself, in my headphones in, and just like listening to like Bell and Sebastian or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, of course the Smiths. So maybe Roxy Music. I think I did listen to Roxy Music when I was a teenager. I never really got adequately into them, but I like Roxy Music. But um, also that sentence is so strange playing my walkman first lust for life by iggy pop it and is then a one very of the odd yeah roxy music albums comma something to do like that's not a yeah parallel that's true because structure. you think it's it's a it's um it's adjacent to the roxy music albums you think he's trying to describe something in the roxy music album yeah exactly first. it's not modifying that yeah, it's just it's sort not of modifying the roxy music album. seemingly random thought i mean i get it's almost as though he's like, yeah, he's just giving us his actual, this kind of like runniness of thought as he's walking around. Um, it's very much like a My Life is a Movie kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he definitely exactly. sees himself as like the protagonist in some coming of age flick or novel or something. Well, it is how we often Roxy feel. Music. I mean, I still feel that way. You know, when you're walking around playing music, you feel as though you're in. I do. I do. But I think that feeling was much stronger when I was oh. a teenager. Maybe I just never grew out of it because I didn't yeah. have a No, I, I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Uh, I'm a proud man child. I, you know. But it's like, remember he talks about everything being, in the very beginning essay of this, he talks about everything being charged with meaning. And I think yeah. this is a very good example of, of youth being a time when things can be supercharged with meaning, especially if you have an accompanying soundtrack of Iggy Pop and Roxy Music. This... Something to do with the distance between the inside and the outside worlds arose then. Something that I liked so much. When I saw all the drunken faces of people who had gathered by the bars, it was as if they existed in a different dimension from mine. They're kind of just like a background to his life, I guess, is the narcissistic interpretation. The same applied to the cars driving by, to the drivers getting... But all of those things could be really grim in another situation or in another mood. They could all be just the most boring, banal things. But they, they have this kind of euphoria 
about them with the soundtrack and also the the weekend of liberation backdrop um and then the next morning i dropped by my grandparents ate fresh rolls with them then went to town bought three records and a big bag of sweets a few music magazines and a paperback jean genet journal de volure had two beers while watching a televised english soccer match i do like drinking a couple beers by myself one more while showering and changing another while smoking the last cigarette before going out that's just a great that's a great day beautiful way to start the day are you that rocks he knows how to enjoy himself there's a, a little a shower beer and then just drink it pounding one more while smoking a cig watching the english soccer match yeah smoking a cig I, before I, you I, go out yeah <laughs> then there's kind of a record scratch because he goes to meet boston who's like his cool suave friend and he had boston has all his beer in his backpack but carl ufa is kind of dragging it behind himself in a, in the <laughs> shopping bag he had all of this in his backpack, and the second I saw that, I felt like smacking my forehead. Of course, that was the way to do it. He has a lot of trouble with the, like, you know, the encumbrancing, encumbrances That's true. of beer. Like, he does. Dude, beer will never not bro. be an encumbrance to him. Just get a backpack, bro. <laughs> like, well, maybe he picked that up after this. Incident. Or beat. Why can't they drink vodka or something? Then you have to deal with, like, you have less volatile fluid volume. That's a good you know? point. I wonder like, if it's something like in a lot of European countries, you can buy beer at 18 and oh. liquor at 21 or something. I don't know. Honestly, that's smart because back in high yeah. school, these kids were always vomiting from cheap vodka. Yeah. yeah if you, yeah. If you just give them like 1% beer, then. Yeah, what if it's just like, what if this beer is actually like weak as hell and he's not even drunk? It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> it could very well be. It's like kombucha level. Like. Hell yeah. Just everyone pounding kombucha at the class party. Um, that really is an image of freedom though just had two beers had two beers watch the soccer game one more while showering one more while i shower have a cig before going out i got my new music magazines my new paperback what's the paperback he reads jean Jean genet yeah it's like gay it's criminal writing gay criminal writing yeah it's just criminals who happen to be homosexuals yeah, I mean, he was, like, a gay guy that kind of, he, like, fetishized, like, thieves. Oh, that's like, awesome. Like, waif boy thieves. and That's yeah, awesome. That was his stick. So. Carl Uva likes his genre novels, which I like about him. He likes literary fiction, but he also likes his, yeah. his genre fiction, which is, of course, the only type of book I read aside from Nasgard, so. I mean, can Osgard is sort of, it's his genre. He's hardened <laughs> into his own genre. He's hardened into his own genre. <laughs> um, so you're. He's the real yeah. genre. What if there's going to be, I guess, I don't know if there are, is there now like a class of Canonsquare imitators, I suppose? Well, I mean, the the auto-fiction, the so-called yeah. auto-fiction movement. Yeah, I don't know. Skeptical of that phrase. Yeah, so am I. I'm a lifelong skeptic. I would like, yeah, I would love to write dime store paperbacks about a guy just mm-hmm. meditating on a painting and fumbling with the waffle maker just churn them out at the rate of some guy in the 1940s turning out with like really really pulpy covers (laughs) but (laughs) But like a guy shrimp and aspic on the cover (laughs) (laughs) it'd be amazing just like a horrifying picture of gelatin yeah and that's like the the hot new uh mover in the publishing world i would love that 
I had four beers in the shower. I was listening to this. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds like I I, I want to live out that. I wish I'd had that that this very weekend when I was. That's 16. such a good vibe. That's I mean, such can a you good imagine? Vibe. Just and like maybe the, the, the weather's ball. getting a little warmer and yeah. like, it's just like there's a little more sun and it's just everything is so optimistic and. No, you've got Iggy Pop on. You've got Roxy Music on. Like, if I did that now, I'd probably just end up really depressed and, and like, hungover. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> like, asthmatic. Well, like, but also think of how much of it is informed by the anticipation of the class party, right? Because we know the right. class party is where things will change, where life will really happen. Uh, and so I think, yeah, I mean, I think pre-gaming is always, like, the funnest part oh. of any. I mean, you and I, of course, spend a lot of time pre-gaming together. Pre-gaming is usually much superior to the party usually yeah and that's hard to remember now because there are no parties for which to pre-game because pre-gaming is like you're actually free you're free and you're not like bound by these like ridiculous social codes and hierarchies you're with the people you actually want to be with there's that anticipatory glow yeah uh and then you get to the actual party and it's just like nerds dweebs (laughs) <laughs> so many dweebs here so yeah this is and then you just leave the party and like, that was yeah um yeah exactly but yeah anticipation is always the best but it turns out actually that the promise of is fulfilled in a way because right. this is where he falls in love with the famous hannah uh hannah. Who not only has a boyfriend but is a devout uh christian oh god yeah but um, I thought what was interesting about this, it's not really, there's nothing super unusual about the their meet cute or their, because it's not a meet cute. They've known each other for months, but yeah, he pins the, there's a pin or a button. This seems very 80s. I'm guessing he has some kind of denim jacket to which he, she is pinning right. this button. I love it. Smiley face on it. Yeah. Of course he's wearing Doc Martens. I mean, you don't even need to. Yeah. You didn't it. even need to write that. It's a, taken for granted. Um she was a faint apple fragrance he's a little fixated on fragrances in this is this something teenage boys are really into smelling like girls hair and stuff i mean it just happens unconsciously it just just happens i don't know i used to i don't know about this shit anymore (laughs) (laughs) there's no there's no fragrances i have like no fragrances anymore i have like spiritual covid i don't i don't smell yeah (laughs) <laughs> spiritual COVID. Um, but I thought the uh, where was the oh yeah there's a very there's a musical cue in this there's a song they're listening to where everything comes together and he has the revelation about Hannah the power Frankie goes to Hollywood the power of love have you ever heard of that song no, but I just realized that this is basically the Kanaz Guardian version of Risky Business, except, you know, the movie Risky Business? Tom Cruise starts oh, a brothel in his house. He starts a brothel in his house? That's the plot of the movie? Yeah, it's like an 80s teen movie and he starts a brothel. But instead of doing that, this is like, so this is Kanaz version of like the crazy weekend in the 80s. But um, I have to go soon because my mom is oh, sure. here to pick me up and we're going to go to my house. But oh. Um, I go every Sunday. Really? That's good. Yeah. Don't I? You should tell your. Uh, you might witness something involving the tablecloth when you're there. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna look out for that. Unfortunately, <laughs> both of my grandmothers are long gone. But. Well, that would then that would be extra. That would be really. Yeah, it's like the tablecloth seance. 
So they're talking about something. Oh yeah, there's this song where like it's like literally almost they see each other across the room, and it's Frankie goes to Hollywood, the power of love. Have you ever yeah. heard that song? No, we should. I don't play know what that's even talking about. Let's play it. Maybe I'll do a cover of it for the. Ooh, yeah. Maybe I'll just edit it in later. Hold on, I'm bringing it up. But Hannah, 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 Hannah. <laughs> it's like Hana. the most cliched love writing. I know. Feeling her so close to me, standing nearly as close and talking, her laughter, her green eyes, her small nose. Hana. <laughs> okay. This is kind of. We should make an Our Struggle uh, Spotify playlist. Oh, wow. That'd be a phenomenal. Where is he going to say the power of love? Let's skip ahead to the chorus. Okay, yeah, there it is. I mean, <laughs> power of love. I mean, um, he's not even above writing something like, you know, my heart trembled, my soul. My heart glowed. trembled. And also famously, it was like being struck by lightning, right? The next morning he wakes up. Yeah. I think Wood even spawns on him for that in the review. Yeah. But um, I do think Wood is, but I mean, I mean, not to be too much of an imitative fallacy, but I do think that's kind of how it is. It's just like one day this girl is just this girl, you know, in your class. And then all of a sudden, like, they have great significance to you because of this party. Why reject the cliche if it's. What's Why reject on? the cliche if it's true? You're really not going to plumb much more complexity into teen relationships. I mean, at this also, point. part of the joy of these passages is their kind of how cliche they are almost. Yeah, like, but recognizable at the same time. I mean, um, this is almost on the level. This is almost like Knozgard in an 80s teen movie. I mean, it is Knozgard in the is. 80s This whole passage movie. is a bit, yeah. Like, like, can't you picture yeah. he's at a party and like it goes like, it's so it's like slow motion and this song takes over the sound. And yes. It's just, like fix it. I mean, you can see it. Film. you can literally see film. it yeah the, I, mean, I mean the whole not, thing is a montage from dad leaving really the note is. to him eating the shrimp in front of the tv yeah <laughs> to him buying the music magazines to smoke in the cigarette as he's getting his doc martens on and, and then, then this hana this song gets louder and louder yeah the song the power oh. actually i now just want to i want to film this segment so badly. i would love that yeah i mean in the 60 hour adaptation of my struggles for surely this will uh <laughs> required we're working on it for uh hbo or or entering into prestige tv that's true can you imagine those it'd be funny to take it but like oh well we're resituating it in like a suburb (laughs) of like washington dc in the in the 90s or something (laughs) it's basically the same story though it's the same shit and it's a he's a girl and he's a girl and yeah uh, yeah just a little but it's, it's like the yeah. idea is the same. It's funny. It would be funny if we like took the narration and it was like. Exactly and his dad is same. actually really nice, and it's just they're just yeah. a happy family. But everything else is the same. Yeah, he's Jewish. Yeah, and she's he's Jewish. Jewish. Yeah. Um, should I call? Should I invite her out? At regular intervals, happiness surged among my nerve channels. <laughs> my heart trembled. My soul glowed. Suddenly, I couldn't wait for Monday. I couldn't wait for school to begin. Um, but I mean, all jokes aside, I think really when you do have that euphoric feeling of falling in love, it really is that simple. Like, especially when you're that age. Yeah. yeah. It's such a pure uh, feeling. I mean, I, I genuinely wish I could return. 
<clears throat> I do wish I could return to that. I want to glow. It's far too late. It's too late. I just want to have a beer in the shower and have a be beer struck in the by shower. Lightning. Yeah, be struck by lightning. Listen to Frankie Goes to Hollywood. You know, eat some shrimp. Maybe if I just do this, if I just live this in this regime. Yeah. Or, sorry, regimen. Yeah. <laughs> or, or regime. Regime. <laughs> the Kanaz Guardian regime. Yeah. Uh, the regimen of just doing, you know, eating shrimp and drinking a beer in the shower. And then I can just go to a party and put on this song. Yeah, and it'll, like, just, it'll just happen. Some fragrant woman will bat walk by me <laughs> and I'll glow. I'll glow, baby. You'll glow. <laughs> Happiness will surge along your nerve channels. <laughs> That's a kind did of... You, a, did you ever movie. like have that in high school, though? Like There was some girl where all of a sudden you were just like, holy shit, she's so fragrant. I'm I was actually going to say that, no, I, I, don't, I actually can't relate to this moment. I never truly yeah. experienced this Aww. level of, of pure crush um yeah it is too bad but i compensated well, later on i guess I don't know. that's true i guess so by having many monogamous relationships and is that ironic hmm? yeah, yeah uh, that's true that's true once upon uh, a time but yeah this whole passage is just it's just delightful it, um, i forgot how endearing it is it's really w- endearing, yeah. But I wonder, I wonder what mood Kanazgar is sort of writing it in. Like he's not writing it nostalgically. I mean, there's not nostalgic reflection or even. Yeah. I mean, it's no, kind of not. Just it's barely reflective. Yeah, I, I'm guessing this is one of the passages he kind of just coasted through. Yeah, he just no revision. Through. Yeah. Um, but I, <laughs> I think mean, it, it works. It works. Yeah. yeah, it works. It works. And especially with the, I think especially since there is that very simmering or kind of buzzing undercurrent of, right. of dad and grandma just beforehand. There's, I mean, it's there's also something that on is, the horizon. Yeah. Actually, even though we're talking about it for a while, like this, you don't, because the book ends in this state of like decay and then a, maybe a kind of renewal, you know, born out of that destruction, you don't necessarily, uh, you don't finish the book with these images sort of resonating quite as you powerfully yeah. although weirdly enough when i do think about this uh my struggle number one i i do often um come back to this like this the beginning or his his adolescence um yeah and maybe i think that's intentional too because i mean Kanazgard does kind of he gives adolescence with a capital a or whatever like it's dignity you know like it's yeah like that part of the he he uh, accords it a kind of dignity precisely through using the the, the, the cliche language you know yeah i think um yeah i think you could say that to say that and even that you know he's not it's interesting too because he's not some like hypersensitive writer kid yeah. here at least he's not, not yeah at least that's not the self he chooses to present and i guess this does get to a question of like what we've debated before about whether or not he's exceptional in, a, in any way um yeah. but i mean i think another yeah one sort of point if there is a point of these sections is just to show how kind of banal even his like glowing happiness you know was oh, incredibly um, banal yeah but i mean and you could read like maybe i just wonder like there's sort of a i just wonder if there's like a kind of wry <laughs> smile that he's writing with here like he's sort of you know, laughing at himself. There's like a gentle self-mockery that's like implicit, but yeah. I, I'm not sure. I feel that a bit, but I'm not sure. 
I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, I feel it's so hard to imagine him smiling, but he may have been, you know? Well, I mean, I just mean, like, when you read those cliched yeah. passages out loud, like, it's almost impossible not to chuckle a bit. And, like, yeah, I guess he's just trying to show, I mean, but it's, it's not as though he's ruthlessly, like, mocking his younger self. No, but no, no, not gentle, at all. There's a gentle kind of humor to them. Um, no, I don't think it's. I, think? Yeah, I don't think he's condescending, yeah. or um, because I think a lot of these reflections on adolescence or childhood can be like kind of almost bitter, or like uh, if I knew what I knew now, or yeah. little did I know that there was all this awful stuff happening in the background, or or of course it's so you know almost a need to undercut themselves and saying, of course my adolescent happiness was the most banal thing on earth, but it's not. It's not really like that. It's it's uh there were these really complicated things happening and i had a cliched but still legitimately mm-hmm. happy experience at the same time and those things can live side by side um yeah i don't know i i have to go okay um, <clears throat> but um good talk come back come back to the same place next week but not with this microphone oh, we'll be there and uh let's endorse the tuna one more time what brand is that Today was Ortiz, but I Ortiz? I, prefer, okay. I think Tanina was is actually my preferred brand. Okay, Tanino Tuna. Please uh, get in touch with us. Yeah. DM, email. We'd love to do eat some, some kind Tanino of brand collaboration tell, with you. Tell us if you've enjoyed uh, listeners. If you've enjoyed any aspic, any anything suspended in aspic, I want to know about. We're very curious about that, um, or really any feedback at all, but specifically that regarding you know kind of ham cubes or shrimp and, and gelatin i mean in a way could you argue that this book is an attempt to preserve his life as in a sense as though it's his no, whole stop, life stop, in aspect? No, no stop absolutely not it's an attempt to preserve his life in aspect no maybe well let's talk about it next time he's suspended he in jello think about it his adolescence and as- think about that one yes all right think this is adolescence and aspect adolescence and aspect all right Bye, Drew. Bye. Let yourself be beautiful